Okay, people. So, yes, the festival is done, but we still have one more thing for you, right? We have got a look at a short and a great conversation with the cinematographer behind it. So, people, yeah, sit down, relax, get ready for our last installment. Okay, so first things first, let's take a look at um, Ella Glendings, a film, Octopus. Okay, people, so I was always going to check it, but I definitely had to check out Octopus to support the great Bayer Mina. Right, um, Octopus is written and directed by Ella Glendinning. Glendinning? Glendinning. Hmm. I probably am wrong. So apologies, Ella. Yes, she wrote, directed the piece. Um, it is produced by Jesse Gooch. Music is from Alistair McNamara. The cinematography is Beatrix Telegado Mina. Um, and the sound was Ines Adriana. Our cast, well, Minnie is played by Annabelle Davis. We've got Marcus played by Simon Bass. Uh, Celeste is played by Mary Malone. Jamie is Oliver Westlake, and Sasha is Yaz Zadia. Yeah, we don't get who Frank was, which is an interesting omission. But, you know, the gist of the film is, uh, is this. Okay, so um, upon returning to her hometown for a funeral... A young woman reconnects with the friends she left behind. So, yeah, this, ooh, you know what I mean? It's about loss, man. Like, we start off with, um, we see Frank and Minnie having fun, enjoying life. You know, Frank looks happy. But then we're just left with this shot of him looking out at the river, at the sea even. The river, <laughs> the sea, and there is just this forlorn look about him, you know. And, and I think, especially with the camera pulling back in the way and the way the scene is framed, is just like, yes. As soon as you see that, you know, okay, things aren't going to go well for old Frank. And yeah, it's his funeral that Minnie has gone back to. So we see her at the funeral and yeah, just all the emotions come out. All the emotions. Sasha is very upset. And yeah, it's about that, right? It, it's about these people coping with the loss of their friend. It's about love, relationships. You know? And yeah, it really does. Oh, man, you really do feel it, right? You really do feel Heal it, and it's just like oh, it's a little heart wrenching, but also there, there's these mo nice moments of these people reconnecting. There's also these declarations, which just like oh, it's tough, man, because you know you you understand what's going on, and but it's just like yo, timing ain't great. It's like the characters understand this, and. You know, it's, it's reflected in the mannerisms, in the dialogue, in the delivery, and it all comes off extremely well, right? All comes off extremely well. And the other big thing about this is it's not about, right, the appearances, you know, or any of that stuff, which I thought was great. You know what I mean, because it's just like, I think when you talk about inclusivity, right, equality and all of that jazz, a lot of the time, 
it, it, it's really made a big thing of in the thing, right? In the film, in the TV series, whatnot. And it's a bit like, all right, but if these are friends, like this wouldn't be a thing, right? It would only be a new, a big thing going somewhere new, maybe, or you know what I mean, like on road. But just within friends, it's not ever really, it wouldn't really come up. Right, unless you're recounting a story, but oftentimes it does, and you're just like, "Yo, what are you doing here, man?" It should just be the story, and this was just a story, and it, you know, it's a sad story, but there's still this this glimmer of hope there, right? This glimmer of hope, but the melancholy is thick with this one. <sighs> yeah, it is, but. It, it, it's really well put together, you know, great cinematography, um, great camera work, like the actors really just, oh man, they, they, they drill into these emotions so well, like everything is believable, you get the pain, you get the frustration, the upset, the love, the emotion, just all of it, all of it jumps off the screen at you. So, you know, I mean, Octopus may be, it may be a tough one, right? And that's just because of the, you know, I mean, the emotional turmoil. But it is a very well done film. So, people, if you get the opportunity, I would say give Octopus, give it a look. If not just for the fact that these motherfuckers must have frozen their asses off making this film. Right, and that is commitment. Okay, so uh, yeah, give Octopus a check. Okay, people, so this is great, right? We got a chance to speak to the cinematographer of Octopus, Bea Delagado Mina. It's a great conversation, and you will not definitely won't want to miss it, man. All right, let's go. Okay, people. So I am joined by Bea Diego Mina, right? She is the cinematographer on the um, very enjoyable Octopus, which played at the BFI Flair Festival. So, um, Bea, thank you Hi. very much Hi, for joining. <laughs> nice to meet. Well, nice to see you again. Uh, yeah, if you people. Bay says that because I beat her in a dance contest and destroyed her in a game of Pictionary. Pictionary, yes. whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right? you did, you did. It was good. It was good. <laughs> that was a good day. <laughs> oh, man. You've been ridiculously busy of late, right? So, um, yeah, what are you currently doing? Well, uh, right now I'm speaking to you guys uh, from Spain. Uh, I'm spending, I, I came for Easter to spend it with my family. But uh, other than that, I just came here this week. Uh, before then, I was just like working in quite a few things. And now I'm in pre-production of like a, a, a few other things. Um, like I'm supposed to be signed to like three, four feature films, I, I, I don't know now, uh, like um, a long list of short films and and some stuff, uh, other stuff that is happening uh, as well in May and June. So yeah, like, I mean, I think that a lot of people are right now uh, busy and I'm, I'm really thankful for all those people that keep on pushing and, and getting money together and produce stuff and then they call us uh, to, you know, make it happen as well. So it's good, it's good. Hey, yeah, definitely good to be busy. But I have to say, like, your work spoke for itself on Octopus. All right, so how did that gig come about? So that was like, I was contacted by Jesse, Jesse Gutch, uh, back in, like, uh, last August or last uh, July with this script, um, 
written by, by Ella, the, the director. And it was beautiful. I loved it. It was like a BFI-funded um, network um, short film. And that was going to be shot in Sheringham, which is um, in near, well, in Norfolk. Um, and it was going to be shot in September. And if I was interested. Um, so I read the script. I loved it. And I was like, yes, uh, let's, let's do it. So um, it was... It was a little bit tricky because I was doing pre-production while I was in Spain, but um, we wouldn't have been able to really, to anyway visit locations. So it was like all about taking pictures and taking the videos, and me and Hayden, the the gaffer, working out, working out what kind of lights and where we could be using and, and all that stuff. So I think in the end it worked fine. So it was yeah, it was a good experience. It was it was hectic, but. You know, what shoot is not hectic. So, Indeed. So you shot that in September? Yeah, uh, early September. Oh, the sea must have been freaking freezing. Well, to be honest, like, um, I think that it was, I was very surprised. Um, I had been, like, in July as well, shooting another short film uh, by the sea, and I had the chance to get into the sea, and Back in July, it was really warm. And I was telling myself, like, oh, no, like now in September, we are more north. We are in Norfolk. It's going to be super cold. But, yeah, I I started, like, going in just to get comfortable with the temperature. Um, it was good, actually. Like, um, you know, it's not the Medi Mediterranean Sea. It's still, like, cold. But, <laughs> but hey, I, I wouldn't complain. I actually enjoy it. Uh-huh. Okay. So people, you heard that. If you have anything shooting in the sea, Bea is your person. So yeah. hit her up. <laughs> she doesn't care what time of the year. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> I was still from Spain, but no, no, of course. It was it was good. And it was uh, Kevin, it was such a beautiful experience. Like I think that probably one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had as DP while filming. Like imagine that you just get into this sea that um, that day was super calm and we were so lucky. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to to film it. Mm. Um, and it was like a super calm, no waves at all. Um, I got in. Um, the the tide starts getting in very very fast, and we have to rush to do it. Um, there were like this. This was there was this gorgeous like sun uh, sunset happening um, while I was filming. Sometimes like you know beautiful seagulls, and 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 yeah, and then like these actors made this magic happen. Um, and I was basically there alone with uh, with the four actors. Um, Sophie, the focus puller, was as well there. Uh, and we were just super aware of the fact that we were holding very expensive equipment, you know, centimeters away from the sea. So I was mm. very, like, you know, like, aware of that. And we couldn't be communicating with the people who were actually on the coast. So it was on us to basically see what and how we were filming and how to almost let the action happen and you know kind of like direct the actors to you know, repeat this or i'm gonna go this way can you repeat yeah. again and and all that stuff but we were just like fighting the clock so much because the tide was getting coming in and in and in and then as we left as we actually put a foot on the sand of the of the beach this massive summer storm started pouring so much water down it was crazy we had to you know in that moment i said like you know what i'm just gonna uh, get totally naked i mean like with my bikini underneath but no t-shirt nothing and since i'm i'm already wet i'm just gonna get more wet with the with the rain and, and that's it and while the actors went to get dry I decided to jump again in the sea uh, to have a quick uh, dip. And in that moment, um, a seal appeared. Oh. And it was like, I was like, what is this? And, this, and, and the rainbow, it was like, no way, this cannot happen. This is beautiful. <laughs> um, those moments that you, you realize how lucky you are to be able to work on amazing films with amazing people and to, to create this this magic by narrating stories with a lot of people and it's, it's beautiful you know like you cannot stop smiling and, and feeling super thankful for that yeah you're definitely making me feel jealous man. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so was that 
you know, one of the hardest shots of the film, you know, that, that whole end sequence? Um, I, I think it was like, um, hectic because, um, we had very limited time to actually do it. And because the actors were getting wet, we couldn't really repeat a take. And, and it was a moment that's like, oh, damn it. Like we, we waited for actually kind of like hour and a half to the time to come closer because by the time we were ready to do the, the, the scene, the area of the sea was very like full of rocks and it was not easy to step on it. Um, it was very painful and not easy at all to, to do that. So uh, we said that for the sake of the safety of the actors and of the crew, we, we were going to wait. So we ended up waiting. And by the time we wait, it was like, oh, damn it. Like we are running out of time. So we didn't like suddenly it was very rushed. We were like waiting for almost a couple of hours and suddenly it was like, oh, damn it. It's already here. We, we have to do this. Um, so it was tricky. I will say that probably in terms of like the challenge of working in a natural environment, um, it was very hard to do it. Uh, very rewarding as well. Um, and I think that everyone was like, you know, involved in this kind of magic that was happening in that moment. All the crew that stay on coast, on the beach as well, felt it. And despite, despite being hard, I think that what I, could, I can think and remember of that moment is more uh, the magic of it rather than the challenge or the struggle. Um, so yeah, I, I think that all of us really enjoy it and it, it was beautiful. I think that there, there is like other scenes that they were tricky as well, but probably in terms of like, um, you know, fighting the water, it, that was the trickiest one. And the last one, the last one, the last scene of this, of the script of the film, the very last one as well was tricky. Mm, yeah. So what was it? about octopus that really kind of spoke to you that made you know made you feel so compelled to want to be involved in the project i i really like the the bio, like the diversity of the the cast and crew and that's kind of like it was like yeah this is this is something very interesting because uh, you know, I I had never worked with a, a director who sometimes uses wheelchair and that was going to be interesting. And Ella is so open about it. And I, you know, is so brave. And so, you know, that you can, you kind of like get uh, dragged by her enthusiasm in that sense. Um, and, and Jesse as well, like was like, you know, so professional, the, the producer as well. And, and so enthusiastic about it that I was like, okay, it's not just a story that I like uh, and a story that I kind of could feel relate to. Um, you know, this story talks about being different in a small town, have a diverse as, a sexuality, um, even like, you know, like uh, polyamorous relationships and, and, you know, a different unconventional approach to, to love and sexuality and identity. And I think that, um, you know, like for us, uh, people who live in London or in big cities, you know, we are used to these things, you know, like everyone mm -hmm. And more in our industry, like everyone is something, everyone is like, it has a different way of feeling or, or you know, or, or living. But in other areas of the, the country or in other areas of, of the world, this is not that common, actually. And it's not as easy as we think it is. So even though there is like so many films that have been talking about these issues and these things and LGTBI uh, collective or other types of like, um, of being, and disabilities or you know other different things that are not conventional then um you re you have to realize that uh, it's not as easy in other places and and i think that this film gives voice to those people who suddenly are in a small communities and and they struggle to to be themselves yeah i i thought because you know i mean it, the diversity of the cast right but the big thing for me with this story was that wasn't the the crux of the story it was just these people we were just following these people and their situation and there wasn't any overt you know notion of oh this person has this disability this person is this this person is that it was just a story 
-hmm. And I thought that was the really important thing here. Because as you said, you when you're living in a, a built-up metropolis, you know what I mean? Like it could be anywhere, London, New York, Vancouver, anywhere. You're used to seeing a mixture of people with from different backgrounds, different looks, ethnicities, abilities, whatever, whatever. But yeah, you go to different parts. Yo, when I went to Hull the first time, and <laughs> that was a wake-up call. There was no one that looked like me up in Hull. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a very diverse spot. And then you yeah. realize, yeah, you go out of London and it's different. So where you have the notion of, oh, well, everyone's used to this. It's like, oh, maybe not everyone is. So I think when we're telling these stories, but telling them from the perspective of there's no difference here, that makes such an impact. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Totally, totally. And, and what I appreciate a lot about this uh, film is that it's not like preaching about anything. It's just the, the message is subtle. This is, as you said, it's just like a, a group of friends who go to, well, get together because of a sad event. And, you know, like you see the connection of these people. And, and obviously they had the struggles that they kind of talk in between lines throughout the film. Um, and you feel what they are going through, but there is not this kind of big, uh, monologue or big message about yeah I am this I am this and I I suffer this and I struggle with this um, mm. it's way more subtle and I think that um, I appreciate that in films where you know you you don't go to your uh, to your house feeling like oh of course this film was giving me these morals and I feel you know like it was so obvious that I couldn't really think of or feel anything else but these morals. And, and I think that um, Ella and, and Tal, the editor, and as well, you know, Alistair, the, the music composer, they did a fantastic job in, well, everyone who was involved in post-production to, um, to, you know, bring everything uh, that we did during production and put it all together um, to, you know, to feel more like a, a relationship between friends rather than this kind of like big message of, uh, you know, these people suffer because of this. Mm. So I, I love the fact that it was subtle and yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think the dialogue, you felt, yeah, this is how people talk, right? Mm. Because it's that is the crazy thing sometimes with films, right? Because they bring certain things up and you're like, why would you be bringing that up? You've known each other for this amount of time. So you wouldn't be saying those words. You wouldn't be talking about that thing. You'd yeah. be like, ah, I'm <laughs> this, or this frustrates me. But it's not like everyone hates me because of my height or because of my, like, you're not saying that shit. So it was refreshing seeing mm -hmm. the approach to this film. Very natural, right? And mm. I, I love that. I love that. Like you, you could perfectly. Sometimes I have the feeling that you see something on films. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I will never go to my mom and say like, mom, I've missed you so much. I love you with the from the bottom of my heart. And then like, I don't know, like it's a beautiful <laughs> message. But hey, probably you will be so awkward to go and tell your mom that, and you will just show in a different ways instead. And and those yeah. ways, I think that that's like how normal people actually communicate and interact. And 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 yeah, that was it, that was beautiful. Like all the things that you don't get to say, but you actually say with your eyes or with the energy. Um, and I, I appreciate and value that a lot in films. Mm, yeah. Like making it, was there anything that, you know, because of like, um, you know, there's height difference with some of the actors and actresses, right? So did that mean you had to take a new approach to framing a scene? You know what I mean? Because you must be used to doing things in a certain way. So once you come up against something like this, it's like, oh, I can't do it like that. I have to kind of alter the way we look and the perspectives and everything like that. Yeah, totally. Like um, uh, we we wanted, like both Ella and I, we wanted to make sure that uh, we will never look from um, a superior gaze. Um, mm. Annabelle, the the actress um, who is the main character. Um, and like, 
she's in power and she's in control. So we, we want to show that um, despite the height difference uh, between actors, uh, we didn't want it to get, uh, you know, um, overpower the, the cinematography. So I, I mostly use any series. And I think that overall in the whole film, you don't really get to feel or, you know, like you, you know that there is a difference in height, but it's just um, irrelevant, you know, it's, it yeah. doesn't really change anything. And, and that's what we wanted to, to do, right? To make it natural, to make it, normalize it, right? To uh, make people understand that, hey, like, uh, it doesn't matter how tall, how, uh, how short, um, how wide, how, like, you know, like you are, uh, you're still, you know, someone who can have any kind of like, interaction with anyone and be normalized on a screen that a lot of times we don't really see that we always are used to seeing everything in a standard like people the actors the and and you know like i think it's very important to uh, to normalize um uh, stuff things and mm. yeah I, I like that thing here um and, and i thought it was gonna be more challenging actually but when we were on set it was quite um, fine. Yeah, like it was just a matter of putting the camera slightly uh, lower and, and, you know, make sure that nothing was, um, you know, making anything feel small. And yeah, I think that it was good. Mm, mm. And again, it's like they, they're friends. They've been friends for this long period of time. So they're gonna, you know, kneel down to talk or have, you know what I mean, do that because why would you, do anything different you know what i mean so it yeah. all, like that you you definitely got this you, the the sense of friendship definitely jumped out at you you believed that these people knew each other loved each other cared for each other and yeah. I thought that was a, a a great aspect of this film you know yeah the actors the actors were fantastic like uh, like they were so natural like without telling them much they straight away got uh, what they needed to do or in what way and and they were natural the first take and the last take and they kept that very continuous and the consistency or the of the performances was it was really good like i remember the very last scene um is it is already on sunset and and we were actually running out of light very like big time <laughs> and i was like um um the gaffer had left um early that day because of um uh, personal reasons and and but it was totally fine it was like okay don't worry because it's gonna be stereo and we're gonna aim to do it kind of like natural and i just got uh, got these astera tubes um to be able to light in case it was needed but then I was thinking, like, I, I'd rather give a more natural approach and work with available light and make it work, like, positioning the actors in the in the right way to, yeah. you know, to be able to make the most of the, of the light that we, we had. But obviously, uh, in September, uh, at the end of the day, like, every minute you start noticing the drop of light. So um, it came a moment that we had to be very quick, um, filming this scene under so much pressure, like all the shots, like the wide shot, the, the mid shot, the other mid shot, blah, 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 uh, in all these takes. And, oh, you know, I, I know that probably the actors felt that pressure and it's like, oh God, like they knew that we were running out of light. And, and I remember Jess, uh, one of the actors, they, they told me, oh, Bea, like I can notice that the light is dropping. What are we going to do? And I was like, don't worry, don't worry. Let's do it, let's do it. And, both Annabelle and, and Jazz, they, they they were you know like they were amazing. Like they kept the performance level right on point, take after take. Even though they knew that they had to rush, um, and straight away uh, reset. We did again the same energy, um, and you know like you can feel the 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 energy and the dynamics between them. Not only because because of the way the script is written, but as well like the way they perform, and they you know they were together all these uh, amazing actors. So yeah, I think that we were very lucky. It was it was a nice one. Mm, yeah. No. It, again, you know, I think you really noticed you know, the camera work, right? The framing of scenes. These are things that really, you know, jump out and resonate with you and just help to heighten that experience when you're viewing this. You know, it's like you being, you know, hey, you're highly in demand. 
right? You, you, you're jump, you're jamming around the world, you're shooting all this stuff. Now, with making something like this, right? You, as you said, the sun's going down and you're having to make decisions about, you know, the positioning and everything like that. So is this something that you, you've always been aware of? Or is this something that's come through experience? And how do you plan for it? Do you already at the beginning of a shoot go, okay, we're shooting outside, these are the considerations, or can you make those decisions on the fly and instantly kind of be like, okay, we need to do this? How do, um, how do you about it? Yeah, I, I think I'm a weird mixture. Like um, I've been a procrastinator my whole life. Uh, so <laughs> I was always like leaving everything for the very last uh, minutes in school, like university. It was like, ah, well, exam tomorrow, I will study later. You know, I was always like this. And and, and that made like that gave me the ability to actually, um, you know, improvise very quick on spots to, you know, and years ago, when I started being, I didn't uh, prepare a lot and I was more into the and things will happen, it will be fine, we'll see. Um, <laughs> so the first years of my career, I definitely developed and and improved that part of me that can kind of like improvise on a spot and it's like, oh, damn it, we don't have this. What do we do now? Or kind of like be able to make decisions very quickly but in the last four years um i found myself preparing more and doing and giving more time to pre-production working with directors like working with ad's working with producers working with gaffers of course uh to be able to plan these things ahead obviously once you're on set things can go wrong very wrong and you just have to you know improvise adjust yourself and and try to uh, be with the flow so I am lucky because in that sense I'm not scared of like taking decisions making decisions in that moment uh, on things that I hadn't really even realized or things that have changed but yeah like of course when when you are doing scheduling with uh, with an AD and and you are seeing when sunset is and when it's happening and you're kind of like trying to calculate how long it would take a scene you take these things into consideration However, you know, like, as I said, once you are there um, things can break down, like the camera can stop working or the actors uh, might be late for whatever reason or, you know, there's so many things that can happen. Then it's like, oops, then what do we do? <laughs> so you just have to take <laughs> to say like and, and cope with that and just make the best out of it. It's like, well, whatever. Um, but yeah, at least we are lucky that nowadays like, we have amazing cameras and and you know we were using the Alexa Mini and and these digital cameras can handle quite well uh, low light conditions. Um, you can push um, for you know like opening up and, and obviously remove the ND filters and and push the ISO till certain level. You shouldn't do that, but if you are in that position that you have no option and you have to do it yes or yes, then okay, well, you, you have to do it, right? Um, but yeah, these cameras are amazing. You can still push to a 1600 ISO and and you can work it out on the on the grade. Um, but yeah, uh, try it, it's, always too, it's always much better to try to uh, do it in the right perfect conditions. It's just that sometimes you just have to go with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like other cameras, the, the biggest advancement since you kind of broke into this, um, you know, the film industry? Or has there been something else technology-wise that has made a huge change on the way you do your work? Um, I don't think that technology has affected overall much the way I've progressed and the way I do my work. Um, at the beginning, obviously, like seven years ago, eight years ago, when I started doing this, um, I was working with different cameras. I was working with DSLRs, with mirrorless when they when they appear, uh, with the small like cameras or like more kind of like broadcast or low end cameras like Sony um, FS7 when it appear or um, well 
maybe not that one that much, but um, but yeah, Canon uh, Canon 300, SNC 300, and, and these cameras, and and yeah, they are they are great cameras. But obviously, when you um, when I started like working in bigger productions, then obviously I started working more with Alexa XT, Alexa Mini. I mean, right, there is not uh, as much budget, and I personally really like these cameras, and um, they've been a big companion in my in my career. Um, I, I just love the way they look. Um, I you just almost like you don't have to do anything, and it already looks amazing. <laughs> it's kind of like cheating, right? It's like, oh well, what do you want? As cameras, like, yeah, Alexa Mini. Um, and then you don't have to do it. No, of course, of course, you have to do it. <laughs> you have to do work. But I just joke all the time, like, ah, we're just like play a rec and that's it. This is what people are going to be seeing that, right? I should have said Yeah, I know. You, you, I think you're putting yourself out of business. <laughs> no, no, no. I do a lot of work. <laughs> no, of course not. No, like jokes aside, of course you have to light and all that stuff, but, but you know, like uh, cameras are great and there is a reason why uh, a lot of people choose to use uh, this type of cameras over other uh, types of cameras. Mm, mm. Now, does it ever frustrate you, right? Because I feel that the cinematographer is often overlooked when you look at filmmaking. You know, you, you get the director gets the shout, the writer producers not always as cinema there's the big cinematographers that people you know andrew deacons people like that that people know but it's not a position that is widely recognized all the time like how do you feel about that it's interesting because like uh, the people who work in film like us all like probably we live in a niche like mm. everyone we can like get related to and end up working with or have like be our friends with they are probably all like um you know film related and obviously all those people really appreciate the work of tps but for me like it's interesting when i come to spain uh to visit my family or my friends i, I just become there i'm just there again just there whereas in in the uk or in spain when i'm with uh, film people and they are the dp um but when I'm here, like I, a lot of times I have to explain, uh, people don't understand what is my job and I have to explain to them, like obviously my family are tired of hearing me saying this, but you know, when people, new people ask me, what do I do for a living? And then I try to explain, yeah, there is that lack of understanding. It is frustrating, it is frustrating. Um, I, I, I committed that mistake as well, like years ago when I didn't fully understand the, the roles uh, on cinema, uh, in filmmaking. Obviously, you think that the director does everything and directors are a big part, but so the rest of the team is. Mm. And I, I truly believe in in filmmaking as a collaboration. And, and I know that the films that I've done wouldn't be the films that I've done without me. The same as I know that uh, directors, editors, gaffers, focus pullers, uh, aesthetic cam, like a lot of people are very like can be very creative and give a lot of feedback or input, creative input. And all those things wouldn't be the same without them either. Um, so yeah, like I I I think that the authorship ship uh, should be owned, like at least mentally speaking, right? By maybe not legally, but um at least socially and in your mind, right? Mentally speaking mm. by more than just the director. Like there is like a lot of amazing people out there that make amazing work. And not just the piece, eh? like, um, you know, sometimes in the edit things are rewritten uh, completely from scratch almost. And, and hey, maybe those people don't don't get enough uh, credit. And, and the same with other things, with art, with sometimes there is films where directors don't even have a say in stuff. And, and you see, all the rest of the departments working together, doing amazing things like collaborating. And then the director arrives and says, I like it, good, and that's it. But the decisions were almost made by other other people. Obviously, directors have to be good to uh, you know, choose the, the team they work with and, and, and trust the people they work with and, and have to be good enough to understand understanding when something is good or something is wrong. Um, but yeah, like I, I do believe that filmmaking is just more than directing or writing. It's like, you know, as well the piece and, and, and editors, production designers. 
um, makeup, costume, like so many things, so many layers of meaning. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's just one of those weird things that I always think about, especially in award season, you know what I mean? Because it's just like you have best picture, but then the director could be from something else, right? Mm. But then it's just like, but it's not a best picture without the work of the director, the writer, the cinematographer, the editor, like all those components. But we don't seem to always recognize them as a whole. You want to fracture everything off, but it doesn't really make sense a lot of times when we do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. A lot of times what I have noticed is like, um, and this is a little bit annoying when I've been like um, nominated for Best Cinematography or even like awarded with Best Cinematography. Um, in a lot of like uh, posts and on Facebook, Instagram, you, you name it, they they say like things like uh, Best best Cinematography uh, and then they say the director's name. And it's like, mm. uh, and it's like, well, for once that uh, our names could be there, <laughs> once you actually, um, it would be nice, right? Just to, to you know, to, to be reaffirmed, right? Like, yeah. um, um, obviously, you know, this is kind of like vanity things that, you know, ego, we all have ego and, and it's something that is not nice and it's better to just like, whatever it's like i just try to not think of it uh much and i don't but but that one time that you know it, it happens like ah oh, they could at least tag you as well just tag you just like you can put film by the director and then tag you as well to be able mm. to share around <laughs> but no sometimes they don't it's like oh okay well yeah the film is by the director and that's it. <laughs> i mean it, it's not i love you all directors by the way <laughs> yeah who sees me like <laughs> <laughs> but it's just nice to know that people recognize that you're doing good work you know yeah. what i mean yeah like uh, i mean like i guess that obviously when you're like in, in in big festivals and all that stuff i think that you know like people are recognized and um and i don't think that they you will never earn like a big festival prize without having been pro properly credited but maybe with a smaller or medium sized ones uh, a lot of times yeah it happens it's always like um you know the the award for this film by director mm, yeah <laughs> I, so yeah octopus is done like is it getting the like did you think it would get the attention it's getting you know, the reception from, you know, the, the festival audiences and things like that? Um, well, I don't know. I think that they, they are submitting it to other festivals. And and let's see, just started the festival circuit um, with VFI Flair um, a couple of weeks ago. So I guess that is too soon to... Oh, that was your first one? It was the first... No, it was the first one of Octopus. It was the first. Uh... So it was basically premiere in VFI Flair. Um, but yeah, I think that the the idea is to submit to more festivals. I, I think that I believe that they are doing so. Um, and yeah, like um, I think that it will have a nice run of festivals. From I'm I'm particularly happy with this film. I think that um, it came together very nicely, and and I think that yeah, it's it's a film that um, we can feel proud of. Mm, yeah, people seem to like it. Yeah, yeah, from everything yeah. I ate, people liked it. So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone involved can be proud of themselves with this one. But, uh, you know, once it's done, like, how quickly do you like to move on to the next project? Do you want to, do you like giving yourself a little break? Obviously, right now you've been jumping around like a jack in a box. But, yeah, what's the normal kind of situation for you there? So, on the shoot, I finished, I think that we shot that on the 8th and the 9th of September, uh, something like that. Uh, then on the 10th, I was coming back to London and I think that 11 and 12, I already was in rehearsing for rehearsals for the next short film that was started on the Monday. So basically I finished this shoot on a Friday and then on Monday I was on another uh, short film uh, that uh, will start getting into festivals as well soon. So yeah, like I'm, I, I will say I always have a lot of things on the plate at the same time. I think that that's the way to like probably a lot of heads of departments, they have to do that. Um, 
if they are making a living with uh, with um, narrative and and that stuff but uh, you don't really disconnect from the project in a long time i'm still like messaging directors from projects that i shot over three years ago to ask them how is it going how is the festival it's still promoting them on social media like um, supporting as much as you can so i don't jump and i think that a lot of dps they they do this right they they don't jump from one project to another and that's it i mm. think that you have a long-term commitment with every one of those projects obviously the commitment is different to uh, to the, the directors usually but um, it's quite similar in the same of like, we still try to stay with the project for mm. a long time. I definitely don't disconnect. I'm involved in, in the great uh, director send me uh, edit cuts sometimes to ask for feedback. Uh, if you have a good relationship with directors, uh, which is usually the case and you're kind of like involved in the whole process. And, and it's nice to, to know that they still, you know, take you into account, obviously, your opinion is just an opinion, and that's fine. Um, but yes, I I don't like that feeling of leaving the directors on their own because I think that, and I've talked with directors about this. Like sometimes they feel kind of lonely in the in the end of the process. Mm. Uh, they feel like you know during production you are with a lot of people, everyone seems super excited. Then you get into post production. A lot of times you are just stuck in a room with the editor uh, for a long while. Uh, post-production can be a quite lonely process and you know depending on the producer sometimes producers don't even get involved into a festival circuit and they kind of like leave the project almost when uh, the post-production is happening so i do understand that you know it, it comes a moment that directors is like okay so i'm just here alone with my film and if if i don't push for it no one is going to push for it so yeah i do understand their complaint and they are totally right on that Mm, mm. So with, you know, moving on to the next projects and everything like that, but still with sometimes an eye on previous projects, how do you keep everything, you know, the focus in your mind on, you know, the work that you're doing and the different shots and, you know, I mean, how do you keep all of that? Just yeah. It's mental sometimes. I, I struggle with that sometimes. Above all, when I'm in pre-production of several projects. So when I'm still in pre-production of several projects at the same time, like for instance, in February, in like four weeks and a half, I shot four different short films and two fashion commercials in, in those four weeks in different parts of the UK, each of those shoots. And and it came a moment that I was just going nuts. Like I was kind of like, oh my God, how... like how do I manage all these meetings and all more the, the creative approach, right? Because mm. every, every project is different. Every project demands and requires something different in terms of like um, a creative approach, technical approach, what it needs, mood board. Um, and sometimes it happens that when you're like trying to think of the look of one project and then after half an hour, you have another meeting for another project. It's kind of like, you just like have to, oh my God, I'm just like thinking. And, and yeah, it's sometimes hard to isolate one from the other, if that makes sense. Mm. I, I tell the directors this, like, I'm, I'm very honest and I'm very open about this. Like, oh my God, I, I have this. And I'm feeling that I'm just applying the same, the same look to every one of them, um, which sometimes... Uh, that's the way it should be because that's the way but you know i'm i'm all the time over aware of not doing this because you know like each project requires something different yeah. and i think that i i do manage but a lot of times i think about it like i'm like oh my god i it's too much <laughs> i need to connect a little bit <laughs> like so with a project like yeah what's the process do you have like a mood board yeah a word document do you put together a playlist like how how do you get into the zone where you can envision the look and the feel and and what you're gonna need to bring that alive um, I think it varies the process and um, usually there is obviously you read the script and, and then you feel something with it like kind of like things come to your mind 
you have to be very, very careful because sometimes what comes to your mind is what you just watched last last night. The previous <laughs> night, I'll watch the stream. I look at this type of shows. It looks perfectly fine for this script and for this project. And sometimes it's like, no, shut up. Just don't do that. Like try to give a second thought and a third thought to see what is what it requires. But then after that first uh, reading the script and filling it, um, you know, conversations with the director, like, hey, do you have any references? Is there any films that came to your mind that you like or you thought? Because obviously when I read the script, things come to my mind, like, and not just cinematography-wise, but as well on the way you edit, the pace, the, the sound, the music, you know, we all watch films and we all watch uh, TV series and we, we all have a creative um view of um, a lot of things not just our own role so mm. um i try to obviously um make sure that i understand what is the kind of like um, style that the director is at least at the beginning aiming for so that i don't get very far away from that when i'm like visualizing and feeling it inside of me and after that, uh, what I would do is like sharing references, even like giving feedback about like, okay, you you thought of this film, but but what what about this other film with this totally different style? Have a look. Let me let me know. And you know, you little by little start building. I guess as well, it depends on the directors. Sometimes some directors know perfectly fine what they want. Other times, you kind of um, agree on, on kind of like an um, overall feel, but then a lot of things happen on set or on the very last stages of pre-production. And, and after talking with the directors and, and all that stuff uh, about what kind of film we want, um, I create mood boards with um, stills from projects that I know, from a collection of stills from different DPs that I have um, to be able to show the feel and the colors and the cinematography style. I create those mood boards. I share that with production, with uh, with directors, um, and usually they are happy with them. Um, other times they as well like add other things, and we can like create it together. And that helps me uh, to share um, with the crew. And, and when I'm talking with the gaffer, those first stages of like trying to build the lighting look, those mood boards that I usually put on Pinterest, they are very useful and I just share it with them it's like look I'm just trying I want to go for this kind of look this 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 and and yeah like something I've never done it but maybe I should do it is to share these uh, mood boards with uh, rental houses when we approach them to ask for equipment mm. yeah so maybe I start doing that actually like I realize you're on holiday. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I know it's fine. I'm, we are never on holidays. We, none of us, are never on holidays. We are all the time taking the the, the phone if a, a new message came or a new script. And so no, no, no. I, I I just finished one meeting for a music video I have soon, and after this, I I will have more stuff to do. And yeah, no, don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really appreciate your time. Um let people well firstly like your the projects that are coming up like um is there anything you can talk about um let people know what to keep an eye out for yeah like um soon i will start posting on instagram uh the work of like um a musical that i did right after uh, octopus days after octopus um i think that the festival circuit is starting in june so still like a little bit time ahead, but um, production is happy to start sharing things around in terms of stills. So that one, that film is called Sleep uh, Singing. Um, Wait, you, so you worked on a musical? Yeah, yeah, this was a musical. Okay, yeah. so Bea, you do realize I can dance like a, a, a freaking angel and I've got a wicked singing voice and no phone call. No, <laughs> hey, like, I didn't on, know man? you. I didn't know you when we did this. Oh, but man. Good, to know. good to know. I definitely love your vibe and your energy. So I think that you will be sick for one of these films. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, no, sure. 
<laughs> you need to you need to send me your agent details and I will share it with productions. Okay. Next time I do a musical. <laughs> right. I, I, I do that. I do that for sure. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> so that's gonna hit in maybe June. Okay. So yeah. What else? What else? You uh, what else? Like I, I did as well recently, like kind of like partnership with BBC. Not quite, but it was like um, BBC was participated in in some some way. Um, a film called The Pink Pill um, that we finished in February as well. And uh, well, we are already on the grades, um, you know, on the great stage. Um, and yeah, I think it's gonna be really nice. That was like. We built a set. Well, I didn't, obviously, the set builders and an amazing production designer. Um, they built uh, the set uh, completely. We worked so close uh, to decide colors and look, wallpapers, and uh, it just looks beautiful. And I think that um, it's a thriller. So it's a little bit, mm. and and it was it's just in this hotel room the whole film what happens between the characters, and that's gonna be a good one. I think it's it's a nice tension, and and yeah, I mean post production, well, quite a few others. Um, non negotiable is gonna be beautiful comedy for family. Uh, I'm very very proud of that one. Uh, director is amazing. Um, and we just finished the grades and they're finishing the sound as we speak as well. Um, that one I think is gonna be very nice on festivals. I'm so excited to share that one uh, with you all. And uh, yeah, I can I could tell you about quite a few more, but <laughs> I think I'm, I'm just gonna make everyone bored. Um, yeah, I have Kapuchai, which is a beautiful um, family drama about uh, Indian traditions uh, with a girl uh, who decides to create a cup of chai, chai tea for her mom, and that's been in post-production right now. Then another one about alcoholism, and yes, um, about alcohol culture. Um, that one is very nice. It's, it's work for charity, and I think it's just to create awareness about how much of the alcohol culture there is in the mm. UK and how we can, you know, make it better in that sense. Um, Save the Queen is that one, and there is quite a few more. But yeah, I'm just not. <laughs> they are only post production. It's just like um, um, I've been doing quite a few ones, like in the last uh, three months. So yeah, yeah, it like, definitely sounds like you've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, when when these are ready to pop off to the world. You're gonna come back, and we can uh, talk some more about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. I'm happy to do that as long as uh, people don't get bored. <laughs> oh, geez, no one can get bored of you. It, oh. it's, it's, <laughs> I like to watch your work and to hear you talk about it. So, um, yeah, the door is always open. So yeah. come back, and yeah, I'm looking forward to having more conversations about just all of these films and um. Yeah, because remember, I, as I said, I sing, I dance, I do comedy, I can be, <laughs> I can be a straight role. Yo, I do it all, kid. So keep me in mind, man. I'm not surprised. Like, like when I met you, I was like, oh my god, this guy rocks. Like he's just like so chill. I love your energy. It's like I love the fact that you laugh so much. This is like your positive energy. This is like just inundates everything, and it's so beautiful. It's great. <laughs> thank you now tell the people well tell the people how they can find you and follow the work you're doing also let the let the you know in the directors the, the the producers know how they can get hold of you because hey they need to get into that queue because <laughs> your docket is pretty full so yeah let everyone know how they can get hold of um bea de langomina <laughs> so yeah, like um, everyone calls me Bea, but my actual name is uh, Beatrice uh, Beatriz Delgado Vena, and you can find me on on Instagram uh, if you type Beatrice with Set, so B E A T R I Set dot Delgado dot T O P, or you can even Google me and you will see my website there, uh, Beatriz Delgado Vena dot com, and yeah. 
there. I, I guess that I'm online uh, on places, so yeah, we'll, we'll put all your details, your links and whatnot in the episode details, people. So, um, yeah, people, go give Bayer a follow um, because, yeah, mad talented. And as you can hear, she has a lot of stuff coming. So you want to be... You want to be on board now before she's mad busy <laughs> and she's all up in Hollywood and we can't get up. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> I'm very happy in London. So, but anyway, things come, things come, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, Bea, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, the you same very thing. much for your time. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your time in Spain. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you so much, everyone uh, of you, for you know, for visiting us and having, you know, listening to us. And I'm just saying now stuff that's anyway, guys. <laughs> um, uh, nice to, to talk with you uh, again, Kevin. And nice to meet you all. <laughs> all right, Bear. You take care, okay? Ciao, ciao. All right, people, that's it. Right, how great is Bea? Right, people, got her information is in the episode notes, so go check her out. Also, yeah, definitely check out um Ella's Octopus, right? Well worth it. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's our coverage done. Now it's not necessarily what was envisioned. You know what I mean, shit just got crazy this last two weeks. Um, so yeah, things didn't come out when I wanted, but still, I hope you found it useful. And yeah, people go check this shit out, right? There's a whole heap of like these films, these shorts, really worth checking, man. So um, yeah, go follow everyone, and you'll be able to see when shit actually drops properly, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's it. We are done. I hope you enjoyed Flair. Hi, people. Peace.